you can't spend from an empty bank account. So you have to go find people that are going to add value to you. Uh, and hopefully you're receiving some value back from the people you're pouring into. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Ranch Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Harley, and on the show, we talk about all things agriculture and Western lifestyle and have real conversations with people who are involved, from the farmer to the barrel racer to the vet tech. Today, I'm speaking with Shannon Townsend, who's someone I've wanted to bring on for a long time because he really believes in the power of communication, and that's exactly how this show is bridging the gap. Hope you all enjoy, and I'm so happy you're here. Awesome. Well, thank you, Harley, for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. Glad we finally got this arranged so we could make me it. Me too. <laughs> Long overdue, but we, we made it. Uh, so my name is Shannon Townsend. I grew up in 4-H showing calves. Uh, so that's kind of where my love of cattle started. And then I went to the Marine Corps for eight years, came back, went, got my um, ag science degree from Northwest Missouri State. And from there, I've just either had my own business um, or helped other producers, cattle producers off on um, up until what, three years ago, I actually had my own cattle herd, but I lost a lot of the pasture I was renting. So yeah, <laughs> sometimes you got to take a step back before you can go forward again. And at that time I was still helping three other cattle operators when they needed help working cattle. Um, so I've got a pretty good reputation around here of that. So I get, Still get calls off and on from other people when they need an extra body or something. Uh, but primarily for the last 10 years, I've been helping this older gentleman. Um, and like we were talking about a little bit ago, uh, it's been a great blessing to to learn from him because uh, he has been in the cattle industry his whole life. Uh, and just to understand what he sees, what he looks like, what he looks for out there um, are some of those things that, that, younger people maybe don't see or don't know or don't understand if they're you know first or second generation cattle producers and and then i've always had a, a absolute passion for education um and adding value to people and so when the opportunity came up on uh, the app clubhouse uh, which is primarily where i i hang out um doing my uh ag value add it it really opened my eyes up to being introduced to a lot of other producers that are high level producers from other parts of the country, other parts of the world, and, and really understanding what is going on in agriculture and, and really the importance of sharing the news, um, the, the, the information that maybe isn't really easily accessible to the public and opening that up for a discussion uh, that that helps people get a better grasp or at least be able to ask producers that are in the thick of it uh, to to better you know understand what they're hearing um, either through mainstream media or either even on social media uh, so I've come a long ways from showing calves back when I was you know 14 through 18 and 4-h and then uh, today where um I ended up in a leadership position uh, with, <laughs> uh, in my opinion, producers that are a lot better than me, uh, people that are dynamic leaders in their own rights. And uh, God just blessed me with the opportunity to uh, be leading that group. So, 
You know, I was actually telling um, a friend of mine who was over for dinner last night, I was telling her how excited I was to actually like finally sit down and have this conversation with you. Because for the longest time when I was in Clubhouse, and it's been a long time since I actually talked about Clubhouse, but I know I've talked about the Ag Discussion Room or Club or whatever the right word is before. Um, and a number of my guests on the show have come straight from Clubhouse. Um, but one of the things I was really scared for like the longest time to like say anything, I felt like I was just there to lurk and to like to learn and like get to know people. Um, but I felt like I didn't have anything to bring to the table because I'm not a producer. I'm not someone who's really in the industry. I'm like ag adjacent is how I refer to myself a lot. <laughs> and, you know, my in-laws all are, my fiance is, but I did not grow up in it. I was living on a ranch for a year. <laughs> and so I was really scared to like say something. And then I remember Kennedy was talking about the show and she was like, don't be scared to like say something. She's like, Harley, I see you're lurking. Like I'm sitting here about you have to come up and come up and share about your show. And I did. And you were one of the first people. And like, obviously you're a mod on there. You lead, you lead that club, but you're like, Oh, that's really, really cool. And then every single time I came back after that, you were always asked me about the podcast, asked how it's going. You've in the almost probably two years that I've known you, you've made several suggestions for people to come on. And it's been, you, you do a great service by being in that space and leading in that space. And, um, it, I'm so excited to talk to you about like, about all of that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's been a true blessing. That's for sure. Um, so great opportunities. And, and I would like to, to say that it's, it's exciting to see women getting more of a place in agriculture. And I think it was about two years ago, I think sometime in there, we started this, uh, Ag discussion room in December of 2020, so okay. that's when this whole that whole thing kicked off. Uh, so almost two and a half years now, I've uh, been running that <laughs> uh, group, and we did a a show early on in there, just talking about the the greatness that women can and ladies can bring to agriculture, and really highlighting that that. Uh, benefit uh that you know not only agriculture but having those ladies be integral to the growth of agriculture uh, is to society in general so uh yeah. yeah one of the really wonderful wonderful things that's come from my show is the specifically the female friendships that i've been able to cultivate through all the ag people that i know now like um i would have never met Two, two of the ladies who host another similar podcast live actually up in Dallas. We They also run a wedding planning business. I'm also in the wedding industry. We planned a whole entire styled photo shoot over the summer last year. Um, they introduced me to Lydia Kyle, who in the last six or seven months has become one of my best friends. And it, it's crazy how I went to Kennedy's wedding last year. Like, it's crazy how all of these things come from just a little room on Clubhouse. <laughs> it is it is and and it's it's a little room in comparison to some people's but i feel like we've added so much value so much relationship building uh, so much networking that it is uh, i i got on there one time and it was just a small group of us at that point and i said you know i don't care if only one person shows up that asks questions 
we're going to be here. I'm going to be here anyway. Um, you know, and I, I just feel like that is the part that is really needed in agriculture is for people to step up. It's only one person that, that has questions. And so that's my philosophy is if I don't care if only one person shows up, we're, I'm going to be there and we're going to host it. So, yeah. And it seems like there's like a core group of like five to seven people who are like every single night. I know these five people are going to make an appearance between six and six thirty. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, uh, yeah. We have a pretty dynamic group. Um, so, uh, okay. you know, and it's, it's, it's actually grown out of that. Um, we actually host a crop specific room. We actually host a livestock specific room. Uh, and then, on the suggestion of a couple of the other moderators, <laughs> because I talk about leadership a lot. I talk a lot about self-development. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the suggestion of a couple of them, they suggested that we need to do a leadership room. And so just for the moderators that are part of the egg discussion group, I actually host a closed room leadership session every Monday night. And oh. uh, that I've gotten a lot of compliments from the other moderators about the growth that has happened uh, for them, not only for ag, but their families and within them. And, and hopefully that transitions over their communities in the long run. Well, one thing I've noticed that you do really, really well in the rooms that I've been a part of is you do a really, really good job of true, like truly like moderating it. Like you don't let people be disrespectful. It doesn't like get out of hand. And like, even when, whether you agree or disagree with the point that someone's making, you do a really good job of being like, Oh yeah, that's a really good point. Or like, thanks for giving that information. Like I haven't heard that. Can you drop a source without like, even if someone's saying something that's like very biased or even could be very like provably false, you're like, I would love to see the source on that. Can you send it in like the back channel or whatever? And that's also like a testament to your ability to like work with different types of people and truly like moderate. <laughs> it, it, it can be challenging <laughs> to put it nicely. Um, you know, cause we do get people from different avenues. Uh, we get people that are strictly vegan uh, specific. Uh, we get people that are, are animal activists. We get people that are environmental activists and then we get people that are in the middle, uh, you know, that are are worried about the environment or animals or whatever, but they're willing to listen. They're willing to engage uh, in a, a very workable uh, conversation. And and really, that's that's when it gets fun is when people yeah. different pieces and yeah, you don't agree with them, but they're willing to have that conversation and willing to listen. If you can engage, like, respectfully, like, respect that, like, there's going to be be people who live different lifestyles who have, like, maybe different values and view things in a different way. When you can, at that point, engage with that, that's what's going to be what changes minds. Like, Mm -hmm. it's going to be, someone's going to be, like, like, me being super scared to get up on the stage and, like, say anything. I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, Shannon moderates that room. And he was really nice to me, so it's not that scary anymore. Oh, and he's. (laughs) And he does stuff with cattle. So maybe all people who are cattlemen aren't like these big, bad, like trying to ruin the environment people. Like maybe, maybe it's more nuanced than that. Yep. And I hope that's what people take away, Harley. Uh, You know, because the majority of 
producers are just hardworking people, whether it's here in America, whether it's Brazil, Argentina, Australia, New Zealand, wherever, you know, they just have a passion for doing the right thing. Unfortunately, it's all the bad apples <laughs> that get all the press. And, yeah. and, but the people, that's what society sees, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, hopefully we're bringing a little good light into the world uh, with our little corner of Clubhouse. I hope so. And I, and also like, you know, the majority of people who are loud voices in that room are also people who want to do the same thing as you. They want to talk, like, they want to talk to the person who's vegan and fi like figure out where, like where you can meet in the middle, even like ask someone who is a cattle producer, like a pig farmer, like whatever, like at the end of the day, okay, like, do y'all want to feed your family safe, healthy food? Me too. Let's talk from, let's go from there, like from that point where we're both people who have this same goal. We just don't necessarily agree about the ways we get to that goal. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's yes. Okay. Yep. So I would love to know like a little bit more about Shannon, the person. So you said you grew up in, in 4-H, like showing cows. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about like when you were a kid, when you were growing up. So I grew up on a farm up till about third grade. And then my parents moved to town. Um, and that was interesting. Um, you know, dare a change, obviously. I uh, got involved in 4-H. Fortunately, I live in a very, very small town. Um, and just up the street, a gentleman had about five acres, seven acres, can't even remember now, uh, where he'd let kids from town have 4-H camps, uh, keep them there, feed them, uh, whatever. And, and he was one of the people that was integral for our 4-H uh, community. And, and so that's kind of, and his daughter showed, uh, which she always used to babysit me. So she was considerably older. Uh, but it was nice to have her as a backup when I was learning how to show cattle because uh, she'd already been down that road, uh, you know. And, and so that really does speak to having those positive examples those people that are willing to step up and and give kids a chance, uh, even if they are or, uh, uh, urban urban kids or city kids uh, that, you know, are interested in learning. So, are you um, are you familiar with the Compton Cowboys? I've heard of them. I'm not really familiar with them, but I've heard of them. OK, so uh, do you know much about the greater Los Angeles area in Southern California? I've. Drove through it a couple times and I try to avoid it with a patient. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, the city of Compton is a primarily um, black city in the greater Los Angeles area. Very inner city. Um, historically, like very poor. Um, but, and I had actually a little bit of personal experience with um, some of the people from their organization when my mom was down there. She hooked up with one of the it was a woman who was down there who had like back behind her house had like uh, basically like a big arena in the back and like some stalls and oh. it was just in the dead middle of like a neighborhood in the inner city and <laughs> she would let kids from the neighborhood come learn how to ride horses okay and you would like go down the street you would never know it was there and a lot of the um people that are involved like with the Compton Cowboys are also like from that exact same neighborhood, like are involved specifically with her. Um, and that's like one of the ways that they help 
keep their kids out of trouble from getting involved in some of the other things like being in a big, you know, metropolitan area like Los Angeles, the greater Los Angeles area, the opportunities for bad things that that provides is to get them involved with some kind of um, like horsemanship sports, something like that's extracurricular like that. And um, that takes a lot of adults stepping up and accepting responsibility and being mentors for kids who don't have that. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I credit a lot to 4-H, you know, and I, and I know FFA doesn't a absolutely outstanding job too. Uh, you know, so I think those two organizations need to be promoted even more uh, within communities and things. I know for our local 4-H fair, it's not near the size it was when I grew up, uh, yeah. which we all say how many decades ago that that was, but that was <laughs> a while ago. And so it and part of it is the rural communities are shrinking. We don't have the amount of kids that we had uh, back when I was in school, uh, which could be a whole not probably another five podcasts if we wanted to go down that route. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, but it's integral that we maintain this, in my opinion, philosophy of even if it's only one kid that's interested, uh, you know, we need the opportunities for those kids to have the chance to go out and talk to people that are in the business, that are in the ag industry. And, Understand the importance of networking, understand the importance of hard work, understand the responsibility that comes along with having a livestock project or even just having other projects that that build skills uh, that are going to be lifelong. So, you know, uh, from that, you know, I, I uh, didn't understand leadership probably as well as I should have at that point. Uh, even though I had plenty of it and plenty of good examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went into the Marine Corps uh, for eight years. And through an injury, I got uh, retired. And so that kind of, I, I call it putting that, put me out the pasture. Uh, <laughs> but uh, came back home, uh, went to Northwest. Well, first I went to a community college, uh, which I would highly encourage any anybody to go to. Uh, at least to get the experience of taking different classes. I said I have a soapbox about that. Uh, <laughs> community colleges are undervalued. And <laughs> I went to a community college. I did like a year while I was in high school. And then I did another year of my first year, first real year of college. And I was like, I had a 4.0, I was like ready to transfer my, the four-year university in that city was like where all my friends were. So I was like, I'll just transfer. Like, um, I wish I hadn't transferred so quick. I wish I would have done my second year because I have a lot more debt than I would have <laughs> if I would have just, I mean, yeah. And community colleges are great. I would I wish I would have also, um, taken more like classes outside. If I was like, I'll just do general business stuff. I wish I would have taken more, done more yep. fun stuff. And, and I think that's the part that is missing when, when people talk to kids about what their future looks like. Uh, you know, we're, I know back when I was in school, it was, you know, you need to go get a four-year degree so you can get a good job. And, you know, you don't want to be involved in agriculture. 
because at that point we were coming out of the 80s. Uh, you know, the early 80s when we had the farm crisis, a lot of people went bankrupt. Uh, there wasn't a great feeling about having kids come back to the farm or be involved in agriculture. Um, and so it wasn't really promoted that you wanted to go get go get an ag degree or be involved in agriculture. Um, I obviously went off in a completely different direction going to the Marine Corps. But, uh, you know, when I got back, I understood the importance of going to a community college first, getting your mindset right, getting that foundation under you that's going to help you be successful when you go get a college degree, if you want to go that far. Um, I used to think that maybe, you know, a college degree was necessary. I don't anymore after be, after graduating a long time ago. Um, I truly believe that it is great for some people. Um, I also believe that trade schools and just getting a two-year degree so that you can get some basic skills to to up your game over maybe other people it's is is a good way to go uh, yeah and, you know it's just you make some make friends there that are you probably never would have met otherwise that uh, will carry you throughout the rest of your your life in some cases so yeah i also think that um importance like and specifically with college and i know you'll get this in trade school but maybe not depending on like where you go to school what kind of school you go to and maybe not at your community college if you stay in your hometown and don't ever leave but um like that you know post high school education also really opened my eyes to all like you said, all kinds of people I wouldn't have been exposed to. I grew up in a really, really small town in rural northeastern California in the middle of nowhere. And I went to not a huge university. It wasn't super far away, but like I met people from Japan. Do you know how many people from Japan live in my hometown? Zero. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was like exposed to all kinds of different like cultural things that I would have never been exposed to, um, had I stayed, you know, at my community college. So there was a lot of, uh, additional things outside the classroom that I was also learning. So personally, like I'm an advocate for like having that kind of experience, but it doesn't need to be right outside of high school. It doesn't need to be like a full-time student thing, but some kind of like exposure to communities that would make you uncomfortable is good. And college is a very, safe place to do that. I, I agree. And I would also encourage, especially high school students to go have experiences, you know, go to, if you're interested in a certain career, go find that person in your local community or somebody in a, a surrounding community that can give you a lot better feel for what that career is going to entail what that career is going to be like long-term and, and get some experience. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've interviewed Ag with Emma, uh, you know, on Instagram and the way she has grown the last year and a half is absolutely incredible to me. Uh, you know, she exemplifies what young people should do. Go on adventures. You're young. Go have fun. Uh, you know, go learn go build a network that is is second to none because that education is going to carry you so much further than sitting in a classroom 
Um, now, like I said, I'm not against formal education by any means. Uh, it's just that experience uh, because, you know, we got older generation out here that has made a lot of mistakes, but they also have learned a lot about what works, what doesn't. And if we don't learn it, that's going to be lost. And losing all of that experience is is probably one of the greatest tragedies that's not talked about um, out there. Yeah, I was talking, oh my goodness. Uh, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I was actually just saying this when I was talking to somebody else and I was like, think that it was, I was talking about how far removed like the average um, American is from the farm or the ranch. I think it's two to three generations is I I think the generally accepted. um, And I'm like, think about all of the things that your grandparents knew that you don't, that's two generations. A lot of us don't even know our family from three generations back. Think about all the knowledge that's lost and or we were, you know, too young, too dumb, didn't care enough to listen when that knowledge and information was being shared with us. Like there's stuff that like my grandfather um, is 70, was 70 years older than I was. He was 70 when I was born. There's a lot of things that like, I wish I would have been able to ask him. But by the time I realized that those were things I should be asking about, he already was like, ill, was already dying. Like, yeah. and, and now like there's things I wish I could ask him and well, he passed away four years ago. There's like nothing I can't now. Yep. But I think building on that Harley is you can go find somebody that's 70 years old that right. did what your grandpa did. Now he wouldn't have had the same experiences, obviously he would have had experiences that were similar though. And you can ask questions. You can say, Hey, you know what? I know that you probably didn't do something as my grandpa however i want to know how you would handle this with the experiences that you've had in your past yeah i i truly do uh, believe that we have to take advantage of that now are all older people going to be as valuable as others no uh you know the guy that i the gentleman that i get to help on his cattle farm uh, he's a definite exception to the rule. <laughs> uh, you know, not many 80, mid 80 year olds are still out there every day doing chores, checking cows um, yeah. and all that. So there is exceptions. And those are the probably the ones you want to try to get close to or ask questions of and, and really dive into what they bring to the table. You know, I really wish I would have learned before my like mid twenties that networking was really just like going to the bar after work and like having a drink with the people that you think are really cool. Um, and not like standing in like a boring room at a work conference and just like awkwardly being like, so how's it going? Like, I thought, I thought that that's what it was. I was like, I don't want to go to this like networking event. I don't want to like awkwardly make weird small talk with people. I didn't know until I was like, in the real world like making these connections that like this brunch that I went to this like friend of a friend of a friend would actually be someone who I would run into like in my professional life and look I already know them because I know somebody that knows them (laughs) (laughs) and I'm the same way really I wish I would have understood that you know even 15 years ago Uh, so about 12 years ago 
I got involved with a company called Concon. Uh, and they're a direct sales company. And about seven years ago or so, eight years ago, can't even remember now, uh, they got started in understanding the importance of self-development, the, the importance of building leaders. Mm-hmm. And, and not just having one leader at the top, but actually making a broad base of building leaders. And so that's really where I started to see the immense value in pouring into others. And one of the statements I make on Clubhouse a lot is you can't spend from an empty bank account. So you have to go find people that are going to add value to you. Uh, And hopefully you're receiving some value back from the people you're pouring into. Uh, But there's going to be cases where you don't. There's going to be cases where, and I'll just use this as an example. Let's say I'm pouring consistently into Harley. Well, maybe Harley at this point in her life doesn't have a lot to, to provide back to me at this point. But if I provide enough value to Harley, sooner or later, she's going to start growing. She's going to start building that confidence. And sooner or later, she's going to run into people that are pouring value into her. And then she gets to spread that out to everybody she knows. And so it really dawned on me the importance of of being able to pour into others, but also surrounding yourself with the best people that can add that value to you and and really uh, just start that dynamic uh, that that really makes a difference. Yeah, I I know, like, since I started this show and have made, you know, the friends and connections that I've been blessed enough to make, I realized there was like, some, like, silly little, like, Facebook blurb or quote or whatever, you know, the kind of, I mean, that's like the inspirational quote that's everywhere. It's like, be the person or like, have the friends who like, will mention your name in a room full of strangers or whatever. And I was like, that sounds stupid. (laughs) And now through the last, you know, two and a half years since I started the show because I started it in almost I guess it's almost been three years I started it in like June 2020 started airing episodes in September 2020 the people that I've met I'm just like wow I really do have people who do mention my name in a room full of opportunities and I get to you know reach out like someone who I think of a lot is Kendi because I know she's talked about me like in like the the clubhouse like when I haven't been there she's been like yeah listen to her show she's really great um Anytime I post something that's like looking for guests, um, Andrea Fleming, she'll come in and tag like five or six people and it's like, go talk to all these people. And then, you know, I've been referred out for photo services by Lydia, who that's primarily the work that I do with her is photo related stuff. And um, it's just been such a like dynamic change in my life since I like made the connections with the right people who were interested in like, giving and receiving that energy. Yep, absolutely. And I I believe with all my heart that you the total type people you surround yourself with. And it really does or at least I've noticed it always holds true. Uh you know, if you're the if you got five friends that are drunks, you'll probably more than likely fixed. Uh, just go look at any bar out there. Um, you know, if you got five people that are absolutely killing it, trying to be successful, encouraging, sooner or later, you're going to be the sixth one in that group. Yeah. Uh, 
No, I also believe you shouldn't be ever be the smartest one in a room. If Me you too. Are, or find a different room. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. I will find a different room in a heartbeat. I don't want to be the smartest one in there. That's why I get run club that's why I get run my clubhouse room Harley, because I'm not the smartest one in the room. So <laughs> It works out pretty good for me. <laughs> it, uh... Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the episode, please feel free to connect with me on social media. It's at Ranch Collective Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And subscribe to the podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. See you next week.